uh, Pastor Yusir Handel, or Aiden Handel. I'm the assistant pastor here at Hope Center Church. Uh, I've been here for about almost two years. Um, and so usually we do start with worship, but today's a different kind of day. And you guys know me because I like to switch things up on you and keep things a little spicy, right? Um, and so today's preaching is actually on worship. And so instead of putting all the worship songs in the beginning, I actually implemented the worship songs into the preaching. And so uh, we're just going to try this out. And so I'm going to actually start preaching, and then we will get to the worship in the middle of the preaching and continue that forward. forward. Um, and so you can sit down. So we've been in this series called Spiritual Disciplines for an Imperfect Life. And what this means is that these are spiritual disciplines that applies to everyone. If you're not perfect, this applies to you. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, suffering to a point and fasting to a point. Um, and the last time that I preached, we talked about prayer. And it was the last session that I spoke on. And what we really summarized prayer to was that you can pray about anything, anytime, anywhere about anything. You could pray anywhere, anytime about anything. And we simplified prayer to that phrase. Now, with worship, it's also similar because prayer, how it's involved in all these different religions and all these different ways of thoughts, if you ask people about prayer, usually they're going to know what you're talking about. But when you ask people about worship, it's actually similar too. And, uh, I mean, Muslims have worship. Buddhists have worship. It, there's a lot of different people groups and religions that also have worship. Now, what, what makes worship different for Christians, though? What, what makes us different? And the thing is, is that what we, what we are worshiping is Jesus, right? What we are worshiping is Jesus. Now, I didn't put this in my preaching, but I felt led to talk about this. You can worship something that isn't Jesus, right? You can worship a place. You can worship a thing. You can worship a person. I've seen plenty of people in my life growing up where there's, there's guys that are worshiping their girlfriends, right? Everything revolves around the girlfriend. Or I've seen people worship a place. I grew up... Um, I went to college in Costa Mesa, which is right by Disneyland. Californians love their Disneyland. And there was people in my college that would go to dinner at Disneyland, and that was it. They didn't go on rides. They just went for dinner, right? And it became this form of worship. You're worshiping this place, right? And we can worship things, but the difference between worshiping somewhere, something, or someone is that it will never give you anything of worth. Because when you worship Jesus, you receive something. But when you worship something else, you will not receive anything that is fulfilling. That's the big difference in the type of worship when you're worshiping something that isn't Jesus. And so the purpose of this message is to equip you with what you need to live out a worship filled life that is more than just a song. It's, it's a whole new way of life. And if you notice when I was talking about prayer as well, I said, again, you can live a prayer-filled life. A lot of these spiritual disciplines is a lot less of doing certain tasks, 
but it's more about applying your life and adding Jesus in the mix. And so what I felt as though we should start with, and it, it might be a weird start for worship, but I, I feel as though it's important. We need to understand what worship is. Now, you might have grown up in the church, and so worship is this already, um, you already know what it is. It's this time before we start preaching that's about 20 minutes long where we sing songs and hymns or whatever it might be. But worship is actually a lot more than that. And so as you look in the Bible, worship actually refers to an overall lifestyle of serving and glorifying God and reflecting his glory to others. That is what worship is. And so that idea that worship is just a song isn't right because worship can be in a lot of other things as well. Your work can be a way of worshiping the Lord. Your relationships can be a way of worshiping the Lord. The way you speak to someone, the way you serve someone could be a way of worshiping the Lord. And so to comprehend worship, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a really simple but deep question. And maybe it's not that simple. Ask yourself, why do I exist? Why do I exist, right? It's a really strong, strong question, but it actually has a lot to do with worship. And so you might be asking yourself, how does worship have to do with our existence? Well, let me, in, let, me let you in on a little secret. It has everything to do with it. You see, people, the media, family, drugs, and so much more usually have a play in answering this question for your life of why do I exist? And so when you are asked this question, you're usually thinking of a person. You're usually thinking of something that happened or uh, something that someone told you or something you heard on the TV. And the awesome thing, the awesome thing is that the world does not have the final say in why you exist. The world does not have the final say. And so you might be applying your life to the media or applying your life to someone, but in the end, God has the final say of why you existed. And why you existed, the number one reason you exist and the foundation for worship is that you were created primarily to be loved by the Father. You're created primarily to be loved by God. I'm sorry, I'm tearing up, but... Isn't that amazing that worship does not come out of us, but it comes out of the love that we receive, right? And so how, how can we really uh, find this in the Bible, right? I, I don't want to just say, I want to give you evidence. You might know the scripture, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The ultimate sign that God has created us to be loved by him. First, it starts out with God so loved, what? The world. Second, we are told God gives us his only son, Jesus, for the world. He so loved. And what does that mean? It's us. And finally, he guarantees not punishment, not punishment, but eternal life for those who Believe in what? In him. You see, you were created to be loved by God. 
to be loved by God. So what this means is you can do anything. You can be anywhere. And there is still nowhere in this whole universe that is too far from the love of God. You're not too poor. You're not too rich. You're not too lost. You didn't mess up too much. Your family isn't messed up enough. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is your background, no matter what you went through, the amazing thing is that from the point you were born, just like my baby here, from the point she was born, there was something there. It was the love of God. You see, I think a lot of times we see people around us and we could dehumanize them because it makes it easy for us. And I had this conversation with someone that I'm mentoring, and he said that this is something that our mind does so that we don't attach to people, so that we don't carry their load. We actually dehumanize them. Jesus does not dehumanize you. He sees you, and he loves you. And that's the very first thing from the point you were born that was there, that was existent, was that love of God. Second, so with this reality that we created for the love of God, there's this other question that we have to ask ourselves. What is getting in the way of our true worship? Now, you can worship, right? Worship in just American context is a song. But true worship and what God says it is is completely different. And so what is getting in the way? And let me be honest with you. Is that okay? You, you trust me? Can I, can I be truthful with you? I think the thing that gets in the way of our true worship, it has nothing to do with God, and it has everything to do with us. You see, most people are trying to love God through worship, right? People are trying to love God through worship before they even comprehend that they were first loved by God. Does that make sense to you? And so we're trying to be loved by God because we're worshiping when we already have that love. So worship does not come from the love that we're trying to receive. It comes out of the love we already have received from God. And when you get this, when you understand that worship is not something that has to start with you, but starts with God and comes out of you, your whole perspective of worship changes. Why? Because we put so much weight on us when it comes to worship. I've been in, in so many services, so many youth services growing up, where it was like if the week was bad, my worship was bad, right? You, you get what I mean? If my day was bad, my worship was bad. If I had a fight with my wife, my worship was bad, right? Why? Because I'm trying to give God something that, um, that he doesn't want. He, he wants the love that he has given you back to him. Does that make sense? He wants that burden. He wants all those things. But he wants you to first understand that you are loved by him. You are first loved by him. And out of that, that's where the worship comes from. In worship, you must always keep in mind there is nothing you can do to change that you, are, that you are loved by God. Most Christians worship God to gain his love, 
But you can't gain his love when God has already given it to you. It's almost like it's a part of your DNA. It's just there. There's no changing it. No matter what you say, no matter how much you try, the love of God does not leave you. One of the verses in the Bible that's so important to me is in Romans 8. And I'm not going to put the verse, but I'm going to summarize it. It says, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Man, that is so deep. And what that means is from the beginning, there is a love that you cannot be separated from. And in that verse, what you'll find is that the scripture actually has uh, measurements. It says height. It says depth. It says width. It says length. Everything that you think can possibly separate you from God, it can't. Why? Because the love of God was there from the very beginning. Three truths about worship as a discipline. Three truths about worship as a discipline. Number one, you must never forget you exist to be loved by God, right? Just what we were talking about. Number one, you need to remember this. You must never forget you exist to be loved by God. And that's by the verse that we read, John 3, 16. And if some of you are coming in and you're like, what's happening? I thought it's worship time. Um, I switched things up. Not your fault. Don't blame you at all. Uh, number two is you were created to give love back to him, right? And so in Matthew 22 through uh, 22, 37, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Everything. You're supposed to give that love back to God. Number three, you have a calling to give this love to others. And so you receive the love, you give back the love to God, and then that love that God gives you, you give to others. And this comes from Matthew 22, 38 through 39. It says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, there's a love there that you receive from God. You give the love back to God, and the love that you've received from God has to spread to others, right? Now, if every Christian did this, <laughs> the world would be a lot different, right? It would be a lot different. But I think it's because the world is truthfully a dark, dark place, right? And so this love that we receive, it's so hard to give to others because we don't comprehend it first. So believe it or not, worship is a lot less than a song, that 20-minute time period in the beginning of service. And it's a lot more like a language. While I was doing uh, research on worship, um, I watched this preacher named Will Hart, Will Hart, and he explains that in Eskimo tribes, um, amazingly, they don't have just one word for snow. They actually have 27 words for snow. And all these 27 words are a different description of snow. And so if it's like icy snow or, or slushy snow, all those different descriptions, they have a word for every single type of snow. Really interesting, right? And then you come here to America, and it's like, what's going on outside? It's just snow. <laughs> like, we just have one word. 
and they have 27 words. And people are like, How, how's the snow out there? It's black. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yellow. <laughs> no, it's just like different things like that. And you see, worship is a lot like language because worship actually is not just one word, if you didn't know that. In the Hebrew language, worship actually has seven words. Seven words. Maybe you didn't know that, but there's seven different Hebrew words for worship. And the interesting thing about this is that every single type of worship is connected to a season or a time of life. And you'll see this as I go through them. And so I'm going to help you uh, pronounce them. I'm going to help you understand them. And while we go through these, there's certain ones that I picked, and we're going to have Alex come up and do a worship song with it. And when this worship song goes on, this is what I want you to have in mind, is the kind of worship we're trying to fulfill, right? And so I'll explain this first one, and you'll see it's going to call you to come out of your comfort zone. It just is. You see, worship, worship, if you're taking notes, write this. Worship demands sacrifice. Worship demands sacrifice. And so if that means that you have to sacrifice your comfort to worship, then do it. If it demands that you sacrifice what happened during this whole week to worship God, then do it. If it means that you have to sacrifice all your worries, then do it if that's what's getting in the way of your worship. And so number one is Barack. Can everyone say that with me? Barack. Barack, not Barack Obama. Barack. <laughs> and so Barack is the type of worship to bow down, to kneel before the Lord. Now, I know a lot of us in here can't kneel down. I'll, I'll, I admit that. And so during this worship song, I'm not expecting that you kneel down or bow down. But if you can and the Lord leads you, do it. Do it. You see, I grew up in a Hispanic church. And before my dad preached, every single time during worship, he was bowed down before the Lord, before he even went up. And the reason why you do this is not because you're surrendering, you're, you're trying to be seen by everyone, or you're trying to surrender yourself to what's going on around you. This is complete submission to God. The interesting thing is that when you're bowed down, there's a lot of important parts of your body that if hit wrong, it could literally paralyze your whole body. And so when you're bowing down, what you're saying is, I'm making myself vulnerable before the Lord so that I can worship Him. Isn't that interesting? That our physical body represents something to the Lord. And so Barak is to bow down or to kneel down before the Lord. This is the kind of worship to give when you have nothing left. And there are specific times or many small windows when you get to do this type of worship in your life. I remember when I first moved to Montana from California. And you're like, ew, California. Yeah, ew. Gas prices, right? Um, and so I remember when I moved to California, I've, I've talked about this season so many times when I've preached. But me and Savannah went through this season where it was like, God, is this really what you want for us? Is this really what you want for us? Sorry. And I remember for a week living off $1 because I just got married. I didn't know how to budget. And we were just, it was just me and Savannah, just me and Savannah. 
And I remember this moment that was so significant to me was when Savannah was going through a season of anxiety. I remember it was me and her, and we're bowed down on our carpet, crying out to God, saying, Lord, at this point, I don't know why we're here, because we're going through anxiety, we have no money, but we gave everything. We had nothing physically, but we had everything to give spiritually to the Lord. And when you do that, God can give you something so much more worthy, so much more worthy. You can have nothing and have something to give to the Lord. Here's something to remember if you're taking notes, and I want you to write this down. Worship is your strategy, but Jesus is your source. Worship is your strategy, but Jesus is your source. What I mean by this is the love of Jesus for you should be the foundation by which you worship pours out. It should not be the other way around. Jesus is not the strategy and worship is your source. Because without Jesus being the source, without Jesus being the source, then it is not true worship. If Jesus is not in the mix, it's not true worship. It can't be. It can't be, right? Because he is the source. He is the beginning of worship. And so when, you use, when you're trying to use worship as the source to reach God, you're not going to feel his presence. Why? Because he was already there from the beginning. What are you trying to reach for, right? And so I'm going to ask Alex to come up, and we're going we're gonna to do a worship song. Remember, this is Barak. This is calling you to bow down, to kneel before the Lord. And so we're going to dim the lights. And if you feel called to just right here in the front, bow down. If you have nothing left in you, life has been hard. This week has been hard. Bow down before the Lord. Kneel down and give it to God. And if you can't kneel or bow down, bow your hearts. God sees you. God sees you. And if you'll stand with me.
So as you can see, Barak worship demands that you give everything out to God. It's this giving your week to God. It's giving your family to God. It's giving your troubles to God. You see, the reason why Barak worship is so important is that Jesus is a king. And what that means is we must kneel before him because he is glorified. And if we don't make those moments to bow down, to give everything up to him, what are we giving him? Right? He is worthy of everything. Every part of our being is worthy to God, is worthy to God. The next one is halal. Halal. Say that with me. Halal. You have, you have to do it with like a, like you have a look. Halal. Halal. So remember when you. <laughs> halal. <laughs> so halal is to shine, to boast, to rave about, to celebrate, or even to clamorously be foolish before the Lord. If you remember, there's a moment in the Bible that's really funny, I think, where David is dancing naked before God, right? It is, to everyone else, even his wife, he seemed foolish. He seemed foolish. And sometimes we have to give everything to God, even if it makes us feel what? Foolish. Foolish. And so why is this important? God requires us to be foolish for him because it breaks our pride. Man, when, we, when God calls us to do something and we're obedient, even though it makes us look stupid, God says, you are obedient, son or daughter. You are obedient. You are obedient. You are obedient. The second thing is some want it all together and neat. But Jesus wants childlike faith. And like a child, sometimes you just go around and you just start screaming your head off. Like the, yesterday, I went to a friend's giving, and there was literally like, what, like five kids. And they're all around just screaming, throwing uh, little plastic balls, taking the ornaments off the tree. And to, to me, to many people, it could seem foolish, but to them, they don't care. They don't care how they look. And so this type of worship is saying, I don't care how I look. I don't care how I look. I'm going to raise my hands even though there's people around me and even though I might feel uncomfortable. Why? Because I don't care how I look. I don't care. I just don't care what people think. Why? Worship is not about the people around you. Worship is about the king, right? And so when you put that in your mind, it's much easier to stand up, to raise your hands, to bow down. Why? Because you're being foolish before the king, and he sees it. Who cares if anyone else sees it? Who cares? There's also something about being humble and foolish and childish around the Lord that opens up a whole new understanding of what God has for you. When you turn your—think about kids— they have no idea what's going on. No idea. You could be financially struggling and they want a $5 candy bar. And they don't care, right? You can be um, 
you could have had a super busy week, and that's the one week where they ask you to take them to Candy Town, right? They, don't, they just don't know. And so what this means with the Lord, to be like a child, is to say, I don't know what's going on around me. I even know that my life is kind of a mess right now. But I do know that God is covering me. And I do know that God is for me and not against me. And so I'm going to be foolish before the Lord because I don't care what people think or say or, or even see me. I care about what the king thinks and what he sees. And the last part, why, why is this important? Your worship affects those around you that have little faith or are growing in it or are growing in it. And so maybe you don't notice the person that's in the back that is new to the church. But because they see that you're just foolishly, you don't even care what's, what's going on around it. You're raising your hands. Maybe you're jumping. You're singing so loud and you sing so bad, but you don't care, right? <laughs> and this is the amazing thing about the Lord. Can I, can I be real with you? I want you guys to sing with your voice because... Even though you can't sing, maybe, <laughs> even though you can't sing, the Lord doesn't care. I think so many times we're in our heads about what people are hearing around us when <laughs> it doesn't matter. What does the Lord think? What does the Lord think? I mean, really, I mean, it's easy to, to worship in your mind. To worship out loud is to declare to the Lord that I believe truly, truly, truly what I'm singing, right? Now, I'm not saying you can't worship truly in your, in your mind, but there's something about declaring it to the Lord. There's something about saying it to the Lord. There's something about singing it to the Lord that's different. And so when people see that you're just flourishing, worshiping God, it affects them. And when new people come into the church and they see you raising your hands and singing, they're like, I want whatever that person has. Because they don't care. They don't care, right? And so the fun thing is, is that our second worship song that we're going to be singing is this kind of worship. And so I want you to sing loud. I want you to do this like Jesus just, just like it's Jesus' birthday, <laughs> right? I want you to celebrate. I want you to just sing without thinking about anyone around you. See how it makes you feel. See how it makes you feel. I'm not saying get naked like David. That's not this kind of church, all right? Let's not do that. <laughs> but be foolish before God. Be foolish before God. And so we're going to ask Alex to come up for halal worship, to rave about, to shine, to boast about the Lord. And so if you'll stand with me again. This is going to be more like a Catholic service. I tell you, stand up, sit down. And, you know. <laughs>
So that's to worship clamorously, to rave about, to boast about. <coughs> Man, I think I boasted a little too loud. <laughs> um, and so I want, can we do something fun? Is that okay? Can we do something fun? And so <coughs> I'm going to count down from three, and let's just, let's just scream the name of Jesus. Can we do that? And let's just clap, clap as loud as you can, sing the name of Jesus. I want you to rave about Jesus. He gave you another day of life. He washed your sins. Isn't that good news? And so let me count down from three, and let's just shout the name of Jesus and start clapping. Is that okay? Yeah? And let's see how long you can go. (laughs) Okay, ready? In three, two, one. Jesus! Woo! Jesus! Jesus! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Wow, you guys, you guys are pretty loud. <laughs> good job. Good job. And so sometimes you just have to shout out the name of Jesus. Like if you have nothing else to give, just say Jesus. While you're walking around your house, and there's a, a heaviness in your heart. Sing, just say Jesus. G- People could think you're weird. Just sing Jesus. 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 The third one is a fun one, and it's actually what we just did. Shabak. Shabak. Can you say that one? Shabak. Shabak. And what that means is to shout loudly or command. To shout loudly or command to shout loudly or command. This is the kind of worship you do when you're calling upon God to do something. For example, my wife Savannah, right here with my baby, she's from Bronx, the Bronx, New York. And people are loud over there. Trust me, they're loud. I can tell you that. I mean, if they're talking to you face to face, it's like they're talking to someone across the street, really. And so Savannah told me the story of <clears throat> every morning, they would wake up early in the morning to shouting, to shouting. And it was this Jamaican lady shouting the name of God underneath them. And she would do it at every single, uh, the certain time, every single day. She would just shout the name of the Lord. Along with that, she would, she would pray for her kids, for the covering of her kids, And she would shout it. She shouted it so loud, everyone could hear her, right? Now, I'm sure she knew that she made some people mad. But she's doing it because she's she's saying, Lord, I want you to do something in my family. I want you to do something in my kids. I want you to do something with my situation. If you see in the Bible, there's plenty of people that are in desperation, and what are they doing? They're shouting the name of God. They're shouting the name of God. And when you do this, it's saying, Lord, I'm wanting you to do something now. I'm wanting you to do something now. Lord, this nation, I pray that they would go back to you, Lord. Lord, for my children, I pray that they would worship you for the rest of their lives. Lord, I pray for this church that we would be a lighthouse in the darkness. You see, I'm calling upon God 
to do something. And you can do it too, no matter where you're at. You can be in the shower and your husband's hearing you yell. And you can be like, I'm just worshiping God, right? I'm just worshiping God. Don't worry, honey, or whatever you might call him. I'm worshiping God. Thank you. I got a little frog on my throat. I'm going to be like, Savannah, can you make me dinner? She's going to be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so this is this, that type of worship where you're commanding God to do something. The next one is, this is a hard one, Tehillah, Tehillah. Can you say that? Tehillah, Tehillah. And what this means is to sing unrehearsed, unplanned praises. I remember growing up, uh, one of my favorite <clears throat> moments growing up was going camping. And my family, uh, they all served the Lord in one way or another. And so when we would go camping, people would sing campfire songs. I don't know what people sing that aren't Christian. <laughs> like, I really don't. I think of SpongeBob, like, F-U-N-N-N, fun, yeah, something like that. And so <clears throat> we were, were around the campfire, and I remember my family and we would have uh, drums. We'd have these little drums you could put between your legs, and you'd just go like that. And we had cymbals. And my family was just really into instruments. We had everything you could possibly think of. And so the fire's raging. We have hot coffee. It's cold outside. And we would just worship the Lord. I mean, we didn't have songs planned. I mean, it's camping. Come on. But we let God lead it. And oh my gosh, these were some of the sweetest moments growing up was when we would worship God and not have anything planned. Nothing planned. Sometimes I, I can do this a lot is I need music to worship. But I've noticed some of the most sweetest times in my life is when there was nothing but what God has put in my, on my heart to sing. Um, I remember <laughs> the other day, I didn't tell Alex this, but the other day, her guitar was in the lobby, and she wasn't here. And so there was no one here. It was just me. And I was working on a preaching, and man, I just felt the presence of God. Can I admit that? I felt the presence of God. When I, when I work at these preachings, I want you to understand, I feel God move so many times. So many times. And it's because I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of you. Truly, I'm thinking of you. And so I remember the guitar was uh, against one of the chairs right here in the lobby. And um, growing up, I would, many times, I would grab a guitar and I would just worship God, just whatever the Lord put on my heart. And so I got the guitar. No one was in. I made sure no one was in here. And um, I, I sang to the top of my lungs and I strummed the guitar. I am a very amateur on the guitar. But again, that foolishness where I'm just like, God, I don't even care. I'm just giving you what you give me. And I, I think what I, was, uh, what I was singing was, Lord, let your people turn to you, and may they see you once again. And that was just what the Lord put on my heart, and I just sang that over and over and over again. Unplanned, unplanned. But the Lord put it on my heart to sing it out to him. And there's beauty in this. And sometimes people could get scared about this. Singing songs that are unplanned, where there's no lyrics and there's nothing to read, that's scary. But there's something about giving what God has given to you, what he put on your, hi, baby. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> she's looking at me. Um, what, she, what the Lord put on your heart, right? Right, mamas? Yeah. Um, for example, I, I was um, 
singing a song to my baby right here, Jael. And I was saying, Jesus, uh, what was I singing? I was singing, Jesus, no. Oh, man, I can't remember. But I was just singing the name of Jesus, and she was just smiling. Just smiling. She doesn't even know what I'm singing. I, it was just a song I made up. But it was what was on my heart to sing to my daughter. And it, oh, man, it was like the presence of God was still there. It was still there. And so I'm going to make, I made Alex get out of her comfort zone, and I'm going to make her have, get a song, come up with the song on the spot. And so we're going to trust Alex. Can we give a, a clap off for Alex? <laughs> yes. And so thank you, Alex, for, for trusting me <laughs> to do this. And so Alex is just going to strum, and she's going to just sing what's on her heart. And I ask you that once she gets some lyrics down and you hear the rhythm, uh, join along. Join along. And so if we could turn the lights down, if you could stand up, and let's just be in the presence of God. And once Alex starts singing some lyrics and you hear it, you got the rhythm, join in. And it's going to be beautiful. I promise you it's going to be beautiful.
Yes, Lord. And so for sing that, that lyric that Alex has been singing, we come before you with the offering. And I want you to just sing that with everything you got. And so let's join together. Sing it with all you got. And let's bring this worship to Lord unplanned, unrehearsed. Let's sing this part together. So you can see it's, it's unplanned. It's just what God puts on our heart and we give it to him. And there's something beautiful about just giving what God has given us in our hearts, what we're feeling, what's going on. And this can be a cry out. This could be um, thanking God for what he's done. This can take so many forms. And the beautiful thing is that it has no structure. You just give to God what he's put on your heart, and that's it. And so the next worship, type of worship, and you could see, I mean, did you feel the presence? Did you feel the presence of God? Unplanned, unrehearsed. It's just God and us giving, giving him what is put on our hearts. The next one is Tauda, Tauda. If you could say that with me, Tauda. Tau da. Tau da. And tau da is to extend or raise your hands in thanksgiving for something that hasn't yet occurred or, has, or you have not received. This is the kind of worship where you just thank God for who he is. An example of this would be, thank you, God, that you give me peace. You give me strength and courage and you give me assurance that you will use me and that I am of worth. That right there is just a form of giving worship to God in Tawdah, which is to give thanks to God. 
to give thanks to God. And we're around Thanksgiving season, right? And so <clears throat> it's easy to give thanks around Thanksgiving, usually. Um, but what I would tell you to do is have a heart of thankfulness every day. I mean, when you wake up, say, Lord, I thank you for anything that's around you. Lord, I thank you for my house, or I thank you for my, the person that is walking with me, the person that's doing life with me. Lord, I thank you, Father, that I could wake, wake up, that I could actually wake up today. Just thank him for every single thing. Thank him for anything that is possibly on your heart. Just thank him. And when you start your day that, yes, <laughs> when you start that day that, your day that way, where you just say, thank you, and then you have all the mess of life, you can remind yourself, but I had something to be thankful for at the very beginning of my day. The next one is yada, yada. <clears throat> and yada is to extend your hands vigorously as in complete surrender. And this one's similar, similar to our first one, Barak, where it's you're, you're giving everything you possibly have. And so I remember <clears throat> when I was called to be a pastor, when the Lord put that on my heart, the song that was playing was The Stand. And in The Stand, it says, um, I raise my hand before, oh, I don't even know the lyrics, but it's The Stand. <laughs> and it says, I raise your hands at some point. And I remember that clear in my mind. When the Lord called me to be a pastor, that song was playing, raise your hands, raise your hands. And again, when you raise your hands, most of us know what that is, right? When you raise your hands, you're saying, I surrender, I surrender. And so this is surrendering everything that you have. This is surrendering uh, your worries. This is surrendering your stability. This is surrendering everything. In Exodus 17 through 11, it says, As long as Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered them, Amalek prevailed. Now what this shows you is that with Moses, there was something that was being symbolized when he was raising his hands in this war that was going on, right? It was, I surrender. And when Moses was saying, I surrender, it was, I'm surrendering the outcome of this battle to you, right? And so when you raise your hands, what are you saying? I'm surrendering the outcome of my life to you, Lord. Our last one is Zamar, Zamar. Say that with me, Zamar, Zamar. And this simply means to touch the strings, to pluck the strings, and to sing along. And so this is just... Um, Basically, what you do on Sundays is Zamar. And so, as you can see, there's seven different types of worship. But the one worship that we usually do is Zamar. And so what this means is that there's six other types of worship that we miss out on if we don't apply it to our life, right? And so if you come on Sundays, you sing a song, the instruments are playing, that's Zamar, but you're missing Barak, but you're missing Telelah, you're missing all these different types of worship. You see, worship is more than a song. It's a lifestyle. And as you can see through the variety of words for worship, there's a type of worship to give for every season, every heartache, 
and good that you encounter in your life. And I would encourage you, don't be stuck on the form of worship. Don't be stuck on the form of worship. Some people can be singing along, but because it's not in a certain way, their minds are distracted, right? I've had that happen plenty of times. Um, I grew up with a musically inclined family. And so when I heard that the rhythm was off or voices were off, it bothered me. But, but worship isn't about the instruments. Worship isn't about the people that are up here, right, Alex? Worship is about God. Worship is about God. And you see, if there's one thing that I want you to remember when implementing worship as a spiritual discipline in your life is this again. Jesus is your source. Worship is your strategy. Jesus is your source. Worship is your strategy. So go out in your life and and live out a, a lifestyle of serving and glorifying God and reflecting his glory to others in your daily life. That is true worship. As you can see in these seven different things, there's one for complete surrender. There's one for thankfulness. There's one for bowing down. There's one for the music and the instruments. There's something, there's worship for everything. And so ask yourself in your daily life, Am I worshiping the things around me, or am I truly worshiping my God? And so we're going to close today with the last worship song. And I want you, again, leave, leave, do this worship song with everything you have. And then as we exit out and, and service is done, be reminded, everything you do can be worship to God. Everything you do. And so if you'll stand with me for the last time.
So let's, yeah, sure. Let's give a clap out. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for coming today. Remember, let's make this every Sunday. I love hearing your voices. And so please sing, worship your God. And remember, you can worship God through everything. Have a good Sunday.